0: This spring, cleaning up your wireless bill is easy thanks to Mint Mobile. Right now, Mint Mobile is offering affordable premium wireless plans with unlimited talk, text, and data plans when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan options, go to mintmobile.com slash radiolab. That's mintmobile.com slash radiolab. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month, for first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on Unlimited Plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
1: Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, it's Jad. So, uh,
2: an election is happening. I don't know if you heard. And uh, today and in a few days from now, we have two quick releases for you that sort of uh, look at the big day if, from a variety of different angles. And as you might have heard, we also have two new co-hosts here at Lab, Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser. And they're going to take these two on their own. I will see you, hear you, talk to you on the
1: other side. Uh, wait, you're listening? <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. <clears throat> you're listening to
3: Radiolab. Lab.
2: Radio Lab. From WNYC. See? Yeah. Join audio. Ah, there you go. Hello. Aha. <laughs> Hi. How you doing? Hi. Welcome back. Hey, I'm Latif Noster. This is Radio Lab. And today we've got a story from our producer, Annie McEwen. Okay. So you just came back from a vacation. Yes. I just came back from paternity leave. And this is really like I don't know anything about this story. I think you must have pitched this while I was gone. And so, this is great. Like, this is literally the first thing I'm doing. So, it's like,
4: that's nice.
2: I'm really coming at this. I don't know anything.
4: Well, um, okay. So, so I guess when I pitched this, I was just, I don't know, I was just in this, like, I am ready to hear about someone other than humans. I'm just, I'm just a little overwhelmed with humanity right now. And so, this story I have for you today is an animal story. Okay. But of course, except hello. Hi. Hi, Meg. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Annie? To I'm
3: talk okay. about animals, I need a human to help me. I'm in my office. The door is closed. There's a sign not to knock. So so that human is Meg Crowfoot. And I study
4: the behavior of wild animals for a living. She is a director at the Max Planck Institute and a prof at the University of Constance. It is an awesome job. Loves her job. I do. And so the reason I was drawn to her is because her work with animals tackles this really deep question
3: how groups reach consensus and achieve collective goals despite potentially conflicting interests of the individuals in the group.
2: Okay, that's a little, hold on, that's wait, a wait, lot. wait, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: So, simply like, how does a group of animals, each of them with their own fears, their own needs, their own desires, how do they somehow, despite that, come together, make a decision, and move forward? right.
2: Yeah, this doesn't sound relevant to humans at all. This sounds actually entirely disconnected from anything going on in the world or this country. You know what I mean? <laughs> this,
4: okay, this actually is an animal story. Okay. Because when Meg was, like, first starting to approach this, she was spending her time on a little island off the coast of Panama. Chasing capuchin monkeys around the jungle. Watching the ways that we compete with each other. Chasing each other out of this tree, trying to stand the ground on that rock. Which she says, was infuriating. You know, they're house-cat-sized black things, just hidden behind leaves and branches, and they're moving fast, and... And she'd be sitting there, like, okay, I see the monkey. Oh, where'd it go? Wait. There's... Wait,
3: is that the same monkey? Where did the first one go? Ah! Ah! You can't keep track of what everybody's doing.
2: Yeah, that seems impossible.
4: Right. Totally. Until... One day, Meg heard about this totally new way of approaching this problem. I was sitting
3: in this lecture hall in Panama City at the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute. There was a weekly seminar, this sort of afternoon
4: of science. She's sitting in this lecture hall, and she's watching this Israeli scientist named Ron Nathan give a talk on his work tracking bats. He'd put a tiny GPS backpack on a bat set it free, and was able to track its movements really, really closely. One GPS point per second. And so you had this amazing detail of this bat. This little red
3: dot on a map. Waking up and leaving its roost and flying out across the Israeli desert. You could see it going up in the air and down in the air and following roads and following lights and then coming (sighs) to this fruit tree in the middle of nowhere. And then eating in that fruit tree and then flying back. But just the detail of it. And I remember sitting there in, in the seminar room and just being like, wow, imagine what you could know if you could put these
4: kinds of instruments on an entire group of primates not just follow one animal to a tree and back, but actually be able to see how a bunch of animals move at the same time and interact with each other in space. It would give you a whole new way
3: of seeing their world and seeing what they were doing and understanding how they were influencing each other's behavior. It really felt like sort of the same way I kind of imagined somebody staring for the first time through a microscope. I mean, rather than a microscope, a macroscope. But having this whole new way of accessing the world, right? it was this moment that just felt so full of potential. That day, that lecture... Totally changed the course of what I was doing scientifically. So she spent time gathering
4: funding and choosing the perfect primate for this project. The answer is baboons. Huh. Okay. Well, had you worked with baboons before? in No. Your,
3: I'd I, never... Like, se- never. Had I ever oh. seen a baboon? I guess I had seen a baboon.
4: At a bar one time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We had a drink. It was
2: <laughs> casual. <right>. So why? <laughs> why would then you pick this animal to study out of all the animals that you could have
4: picked? Well, partly it was logistics. Forest canopy cover disrupts the GPS signals. And baboons live out in the open. They're also big enough to wear the heavy GPS collars the Meg was planning to use. But also, and I think maybe more significantly, baboons are a super well-studied animal. Like, we already know a lot about them. We already know a lot about how their troops work. Hmm. And they are notorious for sticking together. Like, every day, these groups of 30 to 50 baboons, big, little, male, female, lower ranking, higher ranking, they move through the landscape together. As a cohesive unit. And at some level, they must decide where to go together. And Meg's question was how. Right. So she gets on a plane and heads to Kenya. You land in Nairobi, and Nairobi is a big, bustling city. She and her team head out to the Impala Research Center, in this massive wildlife conservancy that's just filled with so many big animals. They're driving past giraffes and hyenas and zebras and elephants. Finally, you're out in this plateau. It looks out at Mount Kenya. Um, it's a really beautiful, beautiful landscape. And it was here that she saw what she came for. The boons. All of the baboons, troops of them, roaming the savannah. Sort of sandy, brown color. They have longish noses like a dog, a heavy brow. The males, they've got big,
3: bushy manes all up over the shoulders and back and head, and big canines. They're about
4: the size of a German Shepherd. And the females are a lot smaller. And when they're in heat, they get these, like, big... Pink, glossy... ...butts. It looks so uncomfortable. <laughs> Anyway, troops of these olive baboons are roaming the savannah, and after a couple weeks of scoping them out... We eventually settle on a troop that slept pretty consistently in this set of trees along the river. So to make a long story short, Megan and her team set some traps beneath those trees and started catching and collaring these baboons. It's like
2: a dog collar, or it's like a...
4: Yeah, it's like a fancy computer dog collar. Got it. So they do this until they get 25 baboons collared.
2: Yeah, and how, 25 out of how many?
3: It's about 40 animals, and about 25-ish were big enough to wear
4: collars. So a few days later, all together, the collars flick on and start collecting data. One GPS point per second,
3: and then we were collecting continuous accelerometry readings.
4: Each of their movements minutely tracked for one whole month when the collars pop off. how many, like, data points is that?
3: 20 million GPS points and 30 times that many accelerometry points. Oh, my God.
4: Yeah, just this sea of data. So all of these numbers just start popping up on her computer screen. And at this point, it's just numbers. But what she's hoping those numbers can tell her is, again, how do these baboons, and maybe they have differences of opinion or whatever, how do they make decisions about what to do? Or where to go. And just from looking at
3: the data, you could tell it was there. Everything I could have ever wanted to see. But we we still hadn't solved the problem. How do you understand who was influencing whom in all of this data? How do we understand how the movements of one baboon are impacting its group mates?
5: Okay, how's that?
4: Check, check. And so that's sort of where Damien and Ari came in.
5: So I'm Damien Farine.
4: Hi, I'm Ari Strandberg-Peschkin. I am a human. Damien is also a human.
5: Yeah, 100%.
4: Anyway, Ari and Damien are two biologists at the Max Planck Institute of Animal Behavior.
5: Luckily, Ari and I work very well together. We have very complementary skills and we enjoy working together.
4: Because they spent the better part of two years trying to figure out how to read this data.
5: Among the very first things we ever did was to actually just create some visualizations of the data. So we've just had little dots.
4: All
6: these dots moving around.
5: Representing the GPS coordinates of each animal as if you were looking at it from above, and these were baboons walking through an empty
4: landscape. They decided to color code them.
6: We had these dark blue dots that were adult males.
5: And the light blue was the subadult males.
6: Red dots were adult females.
5: And light red was the subadult females.
4: It sounds very pretty. Yeah. <laughs> So now they could see a little better what the baboons are actually doing. In the morning, they're all kind of jumbled on top of each other, pinks and reds and blues. They're in their sleeping tree, and they're just waking up. And the key thing to know about baboons, if you don't already, is that they're super hierarchical.
3: Males rank above females.
4: There's an alpha male, of course. The female ranking system is super complex.
3: Top ranking matriline, second ranking matriline, third ranking matriline, fourth ranking matriline.
4: Wow. So in these dots, what Meg and Ari and Damien thought they were going to see was a dark blue super alpha male (laughs) dot after stretching and like rubbing its little dot face. And, you know... Brushing, sang, his <laughs> brushing his little
2: dot teeth. Brushing
4: his little dot teeth, saying hello to his little dot neighbors. For him, that dark blue alpha dot to come down from the tree and then be followed by the rest of that cloud of multicolored dots. Down, down, down they come.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And then that dark blue dot has a thought. We're going to go this way for breakfast. Follow me, everyone. And the dark blue dot moves off. And the rest of the little multicolored dots follow. Right. And why not? That sounds like it would be efficient. Yeah. But... No. That's not what they saw at all. Our initial sets of hypotheses um, weren't supported in the data. What they saw was much more like a, almost like an amoeba shape. It was sort of like bloop out and there'd be a couple different colored dots that would move out that way and then they would come back and then a few more dots would move over here and then come back before it finally then somehow moved off together. It just totally befuddled them
2: we're going to take a break but when we come back Meg and Damien and Ari are going to investigate this baboonie blob until they learn exactly how these baboons move forward despite the fact that they all want to go in different directions
0: Hello, this is Erin Scornia, currently located in Arlington, Texas. The Radiolab is supported in part by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. More information about Sloan at www.sloan.org.
2: Science reporting on Radiolab is supported in part by Science Sandbox, a Simons Foundation initiative dedicated to engaging everyone with the process of science.
0: Lab is supported by Babbel. Sometimes self-improvement can feel like a pretty overwhelming journey. So what if this year you just got a tiny bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. Babbel is a science-backed language learning app with quick 10-minute lessons that have been handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. You can learn everything you need to have real-world conversations, café, s'il vous plaît, from vocabulary words to culture, and more. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a few months or a full year. Here is a special limited-time deal for Radiolab listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash radiolab. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash radiolab, spelled dot com slash Radiolab. Rules and restrictions may apply.
2: Radiolab is supported by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target and destroy cancer-causing proteins right inside the cell. It's how Dana-Farber is working to treat previously untreatable cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Latif Nasser. This is Radiolab. We're back with Annie McEwen, who has got Meg and Ari and Damien sitting in front of a computer, staring at a nonsensical blob of little... baboonie dots. Baboonie
4: dots. You were looking for who influences who... And, and the idea was, like, where to go. Is that right?
3: Right. Yeah, so every day this troop has to decide, like, how to navigate its landscape and has to reach consensus, which means that somehow some individuals have to sort of move somewhere and others have to decide to follow.
4: So for those dots, Meg's dots that actually answered this question, she and Ari and Damien had to figure out a way to, to analyze them. And they came up with this idea that kind of acted as this key that unlocked this hidden pattern. But maybe the easiest way to explain it is to actually tell you about this thing that Damien saw. Not on the computer screen, but right in front of him out in the field.
5: One morning, we watched the group sort of as it was leaving the sleeping site. And one of the baboons was walking in our direction. And probably walked about 100 meters from the rest of the group.
4: And then it stopped.
5: And was standing there or sitting there on their haunches as baboons do, declaring its intention to go in this direction. So the group was still milling around in the sleeping trees. And it, the group was clearly not that interested in coming in this direction. It was not seeing any sort of further movements towards this. So what really struck me is what the baboon did next. It then went to, and climbed up a dead tree and sat on top of this dead tree in a way that was clearly intending for it to be more prominent <laughs> in the vision, like more observable by the rest of the group.
6: Wow!
5: Basically sitting on the top of this dead tree for... I think almost 10 minutes uh, before eventually giving up and then rejoining the group and the group went in a different direction.
4: What gave you the sense that it wasn't just climbing the tree because it's an animal and animals do things that don't make sense? You could,
5: at the risk of maybe anthropomorphizing, but I mean, you could see it had a degree of like impatience to it. So, you know, initially sort of sat there on the ground. And then it got a bit restless, and then it climbed a tree, and was very clearly facing the rest of the group, kind of (laughs) observing, you know, it was a little bit uphill as well, so it was really observing what the group was doing.
4: Wow, like just staring down the group, like, I know you can all see me here.
5: Yep, exactly.
4: (laughs) Now, that baboon in that moment was actually demonstrating two key moves. Two different kinds of movement interactions that meg and ari and damien zeroed in on what we called pulls which was like i move away and you follow me which is what damien's baboon tried to do and then anchors which is i move away you don't follow me so i come back which is what the baboon ended up doing right another way to think about it is like
6: if you imagine two baboons at either end of a slinky okay one moves off And that stretches the slinky, and then another one might follow it, which would be a successful pull. Uh Uh-huh. Right? Or one moves off, the slinky kind of stretches, and then ultimately that one comes back. And that's an anchor. Because the other one didn't want to follow or whatever. Digs its heels in. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. And so Ari and Damien wrote these scripts to basically go through
3: these 20 million data points and pull out all of the pulls and anchors. And that ended up being sort of the
4: base for us to understand the dynamics of this decision-making process. You know in The Matrix when Neo finally realizes that he's the one? Yeah. And then like the floor and the walls and even like the bad guy in front of him just like turn into these like moving green numbers Mm -hmm. and just like sees in this way that he never could see before? Mm -hmm. That's how I imagine it. Like they could all of a sudden see what was happening.
2: It's like they could see the program, the social programming of the baboon.
3: Totally. Because once you have that sort of base unit, poles and anchors, You can start to ask questions like, well, what are the characteristics that make one baboon more likely to follow another versus to not follow and to anchor them? What makes a baboon a successful leader?
4: And it turned out being the alpha guy didn't matter at all. The answer wasn't dominance. There was no impact of dominance. The answer wasn't age, sex, class. And so it took her like actually a moment to believe what she was seeing, which was like a red dot move away and a blue dot follow. You'd see a pink dot move away and a dark blue dot follow. Really? Like it didn't matter. You didn't, it didn't matter at all who you were. There was no correlation between rank and successfulness of being followed. The
3: thing that really did seem to impact whether or not you were successful in influencing the behavior was how they moved. Really?
4: Do you mean like how they walked? Mm-hmm.
3: Baboons that moved in this very directed, very straight way.
5: At an intermediate and very constant pace. So they weren't moving fast, they weren't moving slow.
3: Were much more likely to successfully pull followers (laughs) um, than individuals who either moved slower or with more curvy paths.
4: Right. So a young female, low-ranking female, if she moved purposefully in a straight line, mm -hmm. the alpha male could just follow her? There would be no... Really? And you saw that? Yeah, we did. we did. We absolutely saw that. So what we
3: found was that every member of the group was able to successfully pull.
2: Oh, huh. wow. Cool. So it's like anybody can be the leader at it at, 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 at in a given time. Right. But then what what happens if like if like two baboons have different ideas and want to go in different directions?
4: Great question.
6: What we found is that if the direction between those two initiators or those two individuals going out in different directions Mm -hmm. is if the angle between those directions is relatively small. Within 90 degrees
4: of one another. Let's say one dot moving to the north and a different dot moving to the east.
6: Then the follower will tend to average those directions. They just sort of compromise. They split the difference. They'll move (sighs) directly
4: down the center.
2: At 45 degrees.
4: At 45 degrees. Yeah, they just move straight in the middle. Like, they literally split the difference. Um, but, But if two baboons were going not 90 degrees different, but in totally opposite directions, like one dot goes north, one goes south, there's no middle. There's no compromise. And Damien actually said he saw this happen.
5: There were baboons moving in kind of two different directions, almost 180 degrees opposite. And both of these directions started to build up a bit of a consensus.
4: So there were, there were supporters for each direction, but about the same number of supporters in each direction.
5: That you know created a bit of a stalemate.
4: The remaining baboons refuse to follow. Like they just won't budge.
5: And eventually they kind of have to all come back together, regroup and start again. Really? Yeah,
4: they, they, they start over. Now, let's say this happens again. Two baboons, let's say one young female heads north, and one adult male heads south, totally opposite directions. The troop hangs out under the tree for a bit, watching. Then, a couple of them start to follow one way or the other. But let's say the young female, maybe there's something about the way she moves, with purpose. She gets just a couple more baboons to go her way. The rest of the troop under the tree, they look north, they look south, and in the end,
3: what we found was this really clear majority rule.
4: Again and again, the team saw that in these cases, the rest of the baboons are going to get up and go north with the young female that got those couple extra baboons to follow her. And the smaller group that headed south initially, they turn around, head north, and rejoin the group. Go with whichever
3: direction was preferred by more members of your group. Even if the smaller group was
4: filled with the highest-ranking males. Yeah, even then. Wow. Oh, that's kind of... Oh, that makes me like baboons, actually. That's really nice. It's nice, right? But actually, for the baboons, doing it, kind of sucks
5: I remember sort of realizing that it had taken almost 45 minutes to decide wow uh, for the group to get going in the morning and this was you know like any other morning there was not it wasn't like a colder morning or raining or huh. anything it just seemed to be that the group was completely struggling to come up with a solution to which direction to go
4: and this this is like in the morning they w- they're they wake up so basically they're deciding where to go eat breakfast
5: yeah exactly so you know, it's it's quite striking that they would spend so long making this decision when all those individuals are probably quite hungry. You know, oh, yeah. It's not like there's food in the trees where they're sleeping. Okay, uh, they really have to move somewhere to get food um, initially. Oh. And so they were paying a the cost.
4: They haven't had a sip of water. Wow. They haven't had anything to eat, and they're 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 putting this discussion in front of any of their physical needs.
2: 45 minutes. Yeah, that seems like st- stupidly inefficient. Like, it's like, let's start the day already. Like, let's go. Wouldn't let's it be go, more efficient if go. the alpha
4: male was like, let's go over here. We're going by, like, that would be one minute. Yeah. And actually, makes sense that there are conditions under which it can go that direction. Right.
3: There's, there's evidence from a different baboon species that high-ranking individuals can tilt group decisions in their favor.
4: Are you there? I hope so. Which brings us to Andrew King. Yay! (laughs) Andrew is a biologist at Swansea University. And a few years before Meg, he also did a baboon study. This was with a different species. and It was over in Namibia. On the
1: edge of the Namib Desert.
4: And in his study, he and his team left the baboon troop a little gift.
1: Corn kernels.
4: Bucketfuls of corn
1: kernels. Rake into the sand, fairly close to the sleeping site.
4: After several days, the baboon troop stumbled upon this present. And when they did, the alpha male kind of just went bananas.
1: Run around, chase everybody else off, and eat as many of these corn that he could put into his mouth. And Shuffling around on his bum, picking up, one, two, left, right, left, right, left, right, putting these corn in. Um, Meanwhile, the rest of the troop,
4: they just sit
1: and wait. Sit patiently and wait for him to finish. What a he dick, does, that guy.
4: <laughs> I guess he, he, he does let, if anyone is related to him, like if there are babies that are definitely his babies, he will let some of them eat a okay. little bit of it. All but, right. you know, very selfish. And then they put more corn out that night. Next morning, exact same thing happens again. And they do this experiment again
1: and again and again. I think we did it for about 80 days.
4: What? Every morning for 80 days, the baboons wake up. They race off, follow the alpha to the patch, They just watch him pig out, and then finally they get to go on.
1: He's getting almost all of the food. Yeah. And everybody else gets almost nothing. So we can say, if you incentivize the alpha male, he will choose to go there and he will be followed. So you can say that there's been uh, what you would call a despotic decision. One decides, the rest follows, with the alpha male having a big say in what they were doing.
4: So maybe what's going on here is, like, you know, if the alpha knows that there's some corn right around the corner, he's going to go for it. And he's going to pull everyone along with him. But most mornings when he wakes up, he doesn't really know what's out there. He doesn't know what the best choice is. And there's really good evidence that the accuracy of
3: decisions mm-hmm.
4: improves
3: with the number of voices that are contributing information
4: hmm. into making them. Like sort of like, you know, guess the weight of the bowl, you know, like the crowd right. guess.
2: Wisdom of crowds.
4: Yes, exactly. Like They're going to make a better decision because they're all going to have a say. Right. Anyway, the point is, you've got these two studies that reach seemingly contradictory conclusions. But according to Meg,
3: what's exciting about the intersection between the work that Andrew King has done and that we've done is that in some cases, baboons can show a despotic decision-making process, even if on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis, most of the group decision-making process is very egalitarian, is very shared. Mm -hmm. And so I think that one of the interesting things, like I think oftentimes we sort of get this myopic sense of a species being one way or another, that baboons are despotic or they're democratic. Whereas in fact, like these are just strategies. Some decisions just have to be made now. For example, if you spotted a leopard and the leopard is running at you, you don't want to sit there and have a long process about, do we want to run left or do we want to run right? right. You just want to go. <laughs> right, right, right,
4: right, right. And so in cases like that, if the if leopard's a real near threat, yeah. then you're going to go with the despot. But then, you know, if you want to decide,
3: OK, are we more likely to find food over the river or up the hill? Mm-hmm. There isn't perhaps the same time pressure. So you can afford to reach consensus via a more shared process
4: in the interests of reaching a better decision. So what you see is, like, baboon society can be both despotic and democratic. Like you, you can hold this multi-potentiality
3: in your hands. To me, the interesting question isn't so much, are baboons egalitarian or are they despotic?
2: But when... you know in a way she did she did sort of talk about that like it was like if there's a leopard then that's the time you want to be you know follow the leader follow the despot right uh but then if it's you know a lazy sunday morning and you're going out to brunch with your friends like <laughs> maybe that's time to hear every voice maybe that's the time for democracy right
4: right yeah and i think i think that's right but like if you're a baboon most of the things that happen in your day-to-day life are not those two extremes And I think the question is, and this is what Meg is focusing on moving forward, what's really going on in that middle space? And where's the tipping point? Like, there's some threshold where a group of baboons will go from a situation where they're all just, like, blindly following the tough guy, even if it's against their own interests, to a moment where a baboon—maybe it's the smallest, runtiest baboon in the troop—stands up and marches with confidence— in the direction that they think is right.
2: To the polls. <laughs> yeah. All right. Story was reported and produced by Annie McEwen, And our fact checker was Diane Kelly. I'm Latif Nasser. This is Radio Lab. Thank you for listening. Hi, this is Stefan, born from Calgary,
1: Alberta, Canada. Radio Lab was created by Jad Abinrad and is edited by Soren Wheeler. Lulu Miller and Latif Nasser are co hosts. Dylan Keith is our director of sound design, and Susie Lechtenberg is our executive producer. Our staff
2: includes Simon Adler, Jeremy Bloom, Becca Bressler, Rachel Cusack, David Gable, Tracy Hunt, Matt Keelty, Tobin Lowe, Annie McEwen, Sarah Kari, Ariane Wack, Pat Walters, and Molly Webster. With help from Shima Uliayi, Sarah
6: Sandbach, and Johnny Moen, Our fact checker is Michelle Harris.